Often that you know exactly where to go in your Bible to find the scripture that we're going to be talking about today. So if you happen to be following along, just go to page one because that's where we're going to be today. And I'm, I'm excited to go on this journey with you guys uh, over the next few weeks as we look at the first couple of chapters in the book of Genesis. And there's some really incredible things in there for us to study together. Some very foundational things for us as we, I know many of us in, the, in this church are uh, new in the faith, and so a lot of these things that we're going to be talking about maybe are new, uh, maybe not new concepts, but at least some of the information is new, and so I'm excited to kind of go on this journey together, and hopefully, I, I hope that it's encouraging to us both uh, intellectually and spiritually. But uh, before I get too far into that, I want to celebrate another beginning for somewhat, someone in this church. It's a great honor to introduce this guy to you, Hernandez Clark who uh, gave his life to Jesus last week and was baptized. So I'm going to give it up for him. I don't know, uh, Phil mentioned that, but in, in case you're wondering, because occasionally somebody will say, hey, how does this happen around here? You know, we see people be baptized. We see people that accept Jesus, but you don't do an invitation at the end of the service. How is that? We have a little saying around here that we, we use every once in a while. Is, hey, we don't want somebody to make a major decision in 20 seconds in front of 200 people. We know that you've got questions and, and things of that nature. So at the end of the service, if you need to talk to somebody about what it looks like to follow Jesus, or maybe you need somebody to pray with you, uh, we would really encourage you to stop by the Next Steps area. There's volunteers and staff out there. Of course, I'll be right here at the front of the stage after the service and be more than happy to, to talk to you as well. Starting point you know, self, uh, shameless plug again, it's a great opportunity just to hear a little bit more about this church and what it looks like to, to follow God. So I hope that you'll attend that. But I, I am excited today and where we're, we're headed over the next few weeks. Some of you are beginning to break out into a little cold sweat because you know where we're getting ready to go and you have some strong convictions. You have some very strong thoughts and opinions on foundations, the beginnings of the earth and the universe. Some of you believe deeply that the earth is about 6,000 years old and that the days in the Bible God created, if you watch that video at the beginning of the service, you believe in literal 24-hour days. Others of you, you, you believe in strongly in a hybrid style of creation where God was involved and set things into motion. But the evolutionary process over millions of years was the way that God created the world. Some of us have ideas that are outside of that or somewhere in between. A lot of us have strong convictions about dinosaurs and, and when they lived and, and life and how that all got started. There's, a, there's another saying that we use around here every so often, as every once in a while it comes up. We say, let's, let's not major in minors. Let's major in the majors and we will minor in the minors. Uh, there are some things that you just can't say with absolute certainty. If you know much about the Christian church and where we came from, how it all got started, uh, there was a movement of people a few hundred years ago called the Restoration Movement, and basically the, the whole thing was, hey, let's just get back to the, the essentials of what the Bible says. Let's just get back to what, is, what does God say in His Word? And, and uh, we talk about that a little in Starting Point as well. Fascinating stuff. But one of the, one of the statements that came out of that movement that's kind of helped to guide the Christian church, is this. In essentials, unity. In opinion, liberty. 
and in all things love. What that basically means is the essential things, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, living a holy, blameless life that died for our sins, rose from the dead, is bought, you know, our, our salvation, forgiveness is available through Him. Those sorts of things are essential. We have to be on the same page. But other things, minor things that don't affect salvation... If it's something that you and I disagree on and we ask the question, does it have anything to do with whether or not I can be saved and go to heaven? It's okay. It's okay for us to have a different of opinion. It's okay. Matter of fact, it's a big part of our heritage as a church. I think it's a very healthy approach, to be quite honest with you. I think it's very good for people to sit in church and have a difference of opinion on, on minor stuff. It's good for us to be able to... Well, it makes for great discussions, for one thing, and it's helpful... For us to be continuing as we discuss those things, as we're learning and, and, uh, and, and we're thinking, and, and most importantly, we're growing in our relationship with God and people. So I'm going to give you my take today, and just want, you know, saying that right up front, that just remember this is, this is some of the, well, not, not just the part of where I talk about what I think how creation happened. It's my opinion. Uh, could be wrong. Probably am. But we have to remember that Genesis is really about our origin story. This is something that Hollywood has really figured out, is that we love origin stories. You just look at some of the films that we watch. You just don't have to look any further than the Star Wars franchise to see that, that we love. We want to know, well, how did, how, how did Darth Vader become you know, how he is? I, I remember when I was a kid watching 101 Dalmatians and never thought about well, how did Cruella DeVille get to be such a you know, bad person? Yet me, my daughter and I watched that, the film Cruella and saw it. It's a great movie. You know, we love the, the origin stories, and that's what we have with this account in Genesis. This is where it started. How did we get to where we are? How did we end up where we are today? It is, it is not, and you've got to understand this, it is not a detailed scientific account of exactly how God put the world together. You know, how these chemicals came together, and what about this and that? No, we don't have, the, we don't have those, those specifics. It's kind of the 30,000-foot level. But it is a story of our beginnings. How did we get here? Where did life come from? So let's look at the very beginning, first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Why is this important? Because if you have any belief in God, then you know this is, this is your origin story. This is where we begin. Uh, this is put into words how you came to be. It's your family of origin. You want to trace your family tree. This is, this is the this is the, the base. This is the, the, where it begins. No matter how old you are, your background, your, you know that your family history affects and infects every part of your life. You, you, when you go to the doctor's office and they're asking you a bunch of questions about history, you know that it, that it impacts you. Well, so with this. Another interesting thing for, that I think is interesting, I don't know if you guys will think this is interesting or not, but it is to me. For thousands of years, uh, people of various religions, they found something mysterious about water you notice that verse that says the spirit of god was hovering over the the surface of the waters for a long time you know you think it's really just been in recent history that we have been able to 
discover, you know, what's, what's at the bottom of the ocean? What's that look like? But for a long time in human history, people had no idea. You know, it was just kind of this mysterious thing. And you'd see a whale kind of come up and, you know, blow water, you know, air, and then go back down. And they're like, I don't know what's under there. So for a lot of people, uh, they thought that maybe there was some, some things going on with gods down there. And there was wars or, you know, some mysterious stuff that the gods are up to under there. They didn't know. And I think it's interesting because here we are in the very beginning of God's word. What is he establishing? He's saying, listen, in the beginning, God created and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God is over over all of that. He's over the waters. He created everything above and below. And you notice that, that all three members of the Trinity are there. God is three persons in one. We would call it the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, uh, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and in this creation account, you see, okay, God the Father is there. And we, we understand that it says, okay, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Where's Jesus? If you look in the book of John, when you look way you know, farther beyond Genesis, in, in the book of John chapter 1, it says this. It says, in the beginning, the Word, Jesus, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. And the Word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. So you see, Jesus is there. Jesus is there right at the beginning when the foundations are laid. And Hebrews 11 verse 3 says that we, by, by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It's by faith. By faith we understand. And it's a key phrase there. By faith we understand we cannot look at Genesis 1 and think that this is a science textbook because it's not. Uh, I actually don't think that there is anything in the Bible that is out of alignment with science. I've never, I have never found anything in Scripture that has caused me to doubt or question my faith. I've never found one thing in the Scriptures that that is, you know, knocked me off course. There are things in the Bible that are meant to be taken uh, literally. There are things that are figurative and there are things that are poetic, but I haven't seen anything that's caused me to question. Um, it's an act of faith that we know that God is the creator. I uh, ran across a quote this week that I found wildly fascinating. And this is one of those like stop you in your tracks kind of quotes. It's written by a guy named Robert Jastrow. He was an astronomer. He was a uh, planetary physicist. He was a scientist for NASA. Uh, dude's got some impressive credentials. And he, he called himself, as he would talk about himself, he'd say, I am an agnostic. I don't know whether there's a God or not. I'm erring on the side of, you know, I'm, I'm not a believer. But, but as, as research had begin, begun to show evidence for a, for a Big Bang he began to find himself convinced that if there was a beginning to the universe, that there had to be a creator. He wasn't sure about it, but he, he said, this is, I'm, finding it, I'm finding it very difficult for me to detach the two. If there's a beginning, there had to have been 
a person that, that started it all. And he was interviewed for a magazine. Look what he was quoted as saying. This is a guy that spent his life studying science and the universe as a physicist and a scientist for NASA. He said, astronomers now find that they have painted themselves into a corner because they have proven by their own methods that the world began abruptly in an act of creation to which you can trace the seeds of every star, every planet, every living thing in this cosmos and on the earth. And they have found that all this happened as a product of forces that they cannot hope to discover. That there are what I or anyone would call supernatural forces at work is now, I think, a scientifically proven fact. And then uh, he would later write a book called God and the Astronomers. I read part of it. Love this quote. Here's a different one. He says, this one made me laugh. He said, for the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He's about to conquer the highest peak. And as he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. <laughs> They're saying there, you know, those of us who have been trying to figure this stuff out for years. We're trying to say, how did this happen? How did we get here? We finally get to the point where we say, okay, I think I've figured it out. And what do I realize? There are people who believe in God that have been sitting there the whole time. Like, where have you been? We, we already knew this. How can that be? Because you and I, we have the origin story. We know what, what happened. We may not have the details of exactly how the foundations of the earth were laid, but we know that they were created. And this is what I want you to know today, is that you are a restored ruler. That's who you are. That's who the Bible says. That's who God's word says that you are. You're a restored ruler. <clears throat> That's what the book of Genesis says about you. You are restored. We are, we're in the process of being restored, redeemed, put back together. You know, we've fallen, we've, we've been broken and busted up, but, but you're being put back together and you've been created to rule. God's word tells us that we are not simply the product of random chance of evolution. That is not who we are. You think about if a, if a tornado blew through a junkyard, you wouldn't expect a tornado to blow through a junkyard and, and to create a, you know, a computer. You just, you just know it wouldn't happen. After so many th times, you realize that it's just mathematically impossible. It's not going to happen. And when you start looking at the, the chances of, of us just being here by accident, or by randomness, it's just the, the numbers multiply to a degree that it's just not possible. Now, let me define a couple of terms here. When I say evolution, I'm talking macro evolution. Macro evolution is the belief that one species or that, that species evolved from one to another, uh, which accounts for all life. God's word does not tell us that. But micro evolution, which is the process where species adapt slowly over time, absolutely, we see that. We, we can, you know, that can be recorded, but only within a species. And creation, then, is the belief that God created all things out of nothing, as described in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. So as we look at it, there's a, there's a long narrative. You saw that in the, the video at the beginning of the service. God speaks, says, let there be light, and there's light, and let the, let the land appear, and there, there's life that sprouts up from the ground. But then you look at these, these verses, 
In verse 19, it says, Then God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. And let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. And God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fourth day. This is what I think is interesting, okay? It's not until the fourth day that we begin to associate the rising and the setting of the sun with what we would say is a 24-hour period of time, right? The sun comes up, we see it up there, it is in the sky, it's going, going, and it's gone, and stars, you know, the moon comes up, and then we recognize that's the night, and it comes back up again, 24 hours, that's a day. It's not until the fourth day that, uh, that we, we see that it's, it's associated as being, uh, you know, the sun up and down is 24 hours. So there is a theory that it's been speculated that perhaps days one, two, and three weren't 24-hour periods. Maybe it was some other amount of time. Maybe there, there's a lot of time there. That theory's been around a while. St. Augustine in 400 A.D. believed that, that, was, that it was poetic, and perhaps these days weren't actual 24-hour periods. So he wasn't influenced by Darwin or anything like that. It was a long time ago. He just looked at, at the Bible and said, you know, I think, I think maybe there's uh, more time there. Here's a crazy thing for you. I, uh, I actually do believe that they were literal 24-hour days. I believe that. Uh, just, I think that possibly uh, that there may have been something that happened earlier before the creation story. I think that there's time for that. I heard a, a theory uh, that, uh, that some, some theologians agree with, and I thought it had some merit. Again, this is my opinion. Just going to throw it out there. But what if God created the, the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering, right, and we know from Scripture that at some point, Satan, who was one of God's angels, at some point he wanted to be greater than God, and so God flicked him out of heaven, and he took a third of the angels with him, which became, that's where demons come from, right? You, we, we, we know that, that that's, that's in the Bible. And what, what, about, what about this? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but what if in the course of of God's creation. There were dinosaurs and there were created things and Satan and his army wanted to strike a blow at God. If you were if you were you know this enemy of God and you wanted to hurt him the best way you could, what would you do? You strike a blow at his most prized creation, the earth. And so what if all that happened and and since that time God has been in the process of restoring Matter of fact, this is, this is really interesting, fascinating. The word created in Genesis 1, which is in the beginning God created, is the word bara. It's the same word that's used in the book of Isaiah when he talks about restoring the city of Jerusalem. It's the same word, creating or restoring. Uh, so just a theory, but perhaps the earth that we're living in is a recreation of something that was destroyed long ago. I don't know, maybe, I may be wrong, but that's kind of where, where I land right now. Every religion, every religious thought has had a creation story. 
And, and here's, what, you know, here's what they think happened to get us there. But, but in, every, in every creation story of every religion for you know, thousands of years, the creation is basically a, a result of the gods being at war. So there's all this friction and tension and things happening. And through the struggle, the earth just kind of comes out as, a, as collateral damage. It's just chaos and, and crazy. But our creation story says, no, God put us here on purpose. This isn't a result of, it's not a byproduct of something else. You're not here by randomness or, you know, oh, yeah, you just, you just happen to be there. But his word says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God put us together, the foundations of the earth, with beauty and intention. You're not accidental, random chance. And why do we have so much anxiety and problems in our world? Just a thought, but maybe part of the reason that we have so much of that and so much depression and so many people that are, you know, kids that are going wild and maybe it's because we keep telling people that they're just products of random chance. Maybe it's because we keep telling them, you know, nothing really matters. You don't really matter. You know, you just happen to be here. Maybe that's why we're, maybe that's why we're tearing everything up. Because if that's what we really believe, then what's the point of anything? Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. And he's planted eternity in the human heart. Meaning, we know there's something deep down in us that knows, man, this isn't all that there is. We recognize there's, there's something else. But even so, people can't see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. That's where we struggle. Because I know that there's something, but I just, I can't see it. My mind can't fathom it. Because it's too big. It's just so big. But you are beautifully handcrafted. That's what God's word tells us. I don't know exactly how God made the universe. I don't know exactly what that all looked like. I've got theories. I could be totally wrong. And one, but I, I, I'm, I am, one thing I am confident of is one day when we all get to heaven... Those of us with the staunchest ideas, no, I know exactly, this is how it happened. One day when we get to heaven and God shows us, we're going to say, oh, never saw that. Didn't, didn't know you could have done it like that. <laughs> it's going to be so much bigger, so much bigger than what we could imagine right now. But this I know, you are a creation of God. You were made on purpose, with purpose, and you are being restored and you are a ruler. Look at Genesis 1.26. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Everything about this origin story has been building to this point. Uh, after, after everything God made, he said it was good. It was good. He looked at it. This is good. This is good. That is good. It's all building to this moment where God made men and women. And you are what is known as being made in the image of God. That's curious. You and I are made in the image of God. Think about this. Just think, I heard another preacher say this, and I thought, wow, never thought about it like that. But when God looks at you, 
you are as close to a mirror as he's ever going to have. Not that we are God. Some of you would be disappointed to hear that. <laughs> You're not a God, but you are made in the image of God. God's word says you're a restored ruler. Why is it that we ask questions like, why am I here? Why do we ask that? Why do we ask, what is my purpose? And is this all that there is? And what's the meaning of life? And who am I supposed to be? Because I guarantee you one thing, your dog never asks those questions. He doesn't think about those things. You do. You think about those things because you are a created being made in the image of God in his likeness. doesn't mean that you are God, but it means that you reflect him fluffy or sparky or your cat sprinkles. As much joy as they may bring to your life, they were not made in the image of God. You were. And your life is a valuable treasure. You're deeply loved. You're a ruler from the beginning. In our origin, we were made to have responsibility. Look at this in the text. Verse 15 says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. So the Lord formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. You see the weight of responsibility that God put on Adam. You're, you're created to rule. You are over all of these other created things. You're in charge of them. Uh, no animal out there. Think about this. No animal out there is going out naming their children. But you do that. It's the first thing you do when your child is born. The very first thing you do is you give your child a name. And then you are charged with raising that child. It's a huge responsibility. You have to do it in a way that honors the Lord, not irresponsible or, or, or abusively, but with integrity and with love. You and I, we have an innate desire for purpose. I have to know, I, I need to know, it's in me, that I have purpose, that my life counts, that I matter. Where does that come from? Your goldfish does not have that. Any other created being does not have that. Only those made in the image of God. Justice, think about that, justice. Where does the idea, the concept of justice come from? We long for that. We get frustrated in a judicial system when we see people get off on a technicality or when things move slowly and we say, why is it? Why is it that people need to stand and have an account for the crimes that they've committed, right? We have a high sense of there needs to be justice. There's no justice in the animal kingdom. Uh, mercy. Think about mercy for just a brief second. I've watched videos. If you ever want to just kick your feet up and have a hilarious afternoon, look on YouTube of videos of uh, like lions attacking gazelles. You're like out on the out on the the plains. You're gonna think I'm sick here. Not not that. It's not hilarious watching the killing. <laughs> the comments. The comments on the video are what's hilarious because you'll see this, you know, the lion creeping up, sneaking and crawling through the tall grass. You see this cute little gazelle sitting there taking a drink of water. I mean, he just pounces on him, grabs him by the neck and is dragging him off. Read the comments on the video. People will say, oh, this is terrible. This is so horrible. Why didn't someone stop this? If you were there to take the video, you should have intervened and stopped this lion from hurting this poor little gazelle. And I'm thinking, it's called animal instincts. 
I'm not going to intervene in a lion and get between a lion and a gazelle. What do animals know? I'm hungry, I kill, I eat. That's the way that it works. That's it. Where did, where did the idea of mercy come from? It comes from God. You and I were made in the image of God. It's in your DNA. You were created. You are not random. You are not here by accident. You were created by God to rule and to reign and to bless and to make things happen with the understanding that in our origin, in our prequel, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. This is ultimately all about Him. In the beginning, someone loved me. In the beginning, someone wanted one of me. In the beginning, God cares for me. And right now, in, in my right now, it's about God restoring me. What is he doing in my life? What is he doing in your life to make you more like his son? Because that is his goal, is to make you more and more like his son, Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for just this, uh, this record in Genesis that we look at. We're reminded of that wonderful truth and promise that we are made with purpose and on purpose. I, I pray that you would remind every person here, uh, everyone who is listening to this message, help us to remember and understand that our life has meaning. Lord, for those of us that are struggling with that right now, we're trying to find the meaning, we're trying to find the hope, I pray that your spirit would move in our lives in such a way that you, you gently draw us to Jesus. Help us to find our rest, our safety, and our security in the, the refuge of your presence. And I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. I'm excited about where we're going next week, so I'll see you then.